You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today, Leah and I are excited to be welcoming NTSB board member Michael Graham to the podcast for the first time. Member Graham joined NTSB as the 45th member of the National Transportation Safety Board in January. Welcome, Member Graham. Thank you. Glad to be here. We, uh, as you may have heard on the podcast before and all of our listeners are accustomed to, we kind of allow our guest to get started with a little bit of a background on on their um, experience and what brought them to board. Um, and I just want to point out that on our website, ntsb.gov, your detailed bio is available, um, but it really shows a solid background in aviation safety, which began in the Navy, Correct. That is correct. I, uh, you know, Navy flying off aircraft carriers, things like that, which is where I started my career. Uh, risk management, risk management's a big deal. And, uh, so, uh, that's obviously has a lot of safety connotations to it. And that's where my safety career really started. And you, was that your first experience with flying or had you always been interested in aviation your entire life? Um, that, that's where I started flying was right out of college. Um, yeah, since I was as old as I can remember, uh, I saw airplanes and mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to fly airplanes. And, uh, I used to live about three miles from the, the, uh, airport in Albuquerque, which was an Air Force base. And as a kid, I used to ride my bike out there, especially on Friday afternoons and watch the, uh, military jets come through town and refuel at the transient line. And I remember Mm -hmm. seeing Navy airplanes and thought they were very unusual and very interesting looking. And then I found out what they did and they landed on aircraft carriers and things like that. And I said, I've got to do that. So (laughs) I pretty much knew what I wanted to do at a very early age. And I've been so blessed to be able to do that and so much more. So take us through that. Take us through kind of your timeline. Uh, you got interested in the Navy at a young age and uh, went to school and, and went off to college, I'm assuming, or did you go straight to the Navy? No, um, I, I was hoping, actually, uh, as I grew up uh, going to school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, that uh, I could go to the Naval Academy. And um, it didn't work out when I got out of high school. Uh, unfortunately, the ROTC program wasn't doing very well at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just I just stayed at home in Albuquerque and started at the University of New Mexico in going into mechanical engineering, um, knowing that aerodynamic enge- or aeronautical engineering is an offshoot of mechanical engineering. Mm-hmm. And um, that first year. The recruiter for the Naval Academy found out who I was, said, oh, we'll get you in the academy, but you know, you got to do four years no matter what. And I already had a year of engineering under my belt. And I said, well, heck, I'll just finish school here. All my friends are here going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing the things I like to do here. And when I'm done, I'll just go into the Navy through the Aviation Officer Candidate School Program. And, uh, you know, there were some detours along the way, but I ended up getting in and going to officer school and then uh, into the... Uh, to the flight program, it was it was very awesome to say the least. That's great. Did you, were you a pilot before you went into the Navy, or did you you learned it all while you were there? I, I learned it all when I was there. Um, I wanted to be. I, I went up on a couple flights. I went on a Navy recruiting flight uh, that was a lot of fun, um, but I, I didn't have the money uh, to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not cheap, and mm-hmm. uh, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. 
So I just, uh, you know, stayed the course and it, it all worked out for me. That's awesome. That's great. So following the Navy, um, where did you, where did you land, pun intended? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I spent nine years in the Navy. I, I'll tell you, I loved every minute of it. I had a great career going. Um, you know, when I went in, I thought that's all I ever wanted to do. Uh, I got married a couple years into the Navy, mm-hmm. had a couple small children, and uh, I had two boys and I, I looked at, uh, I was going to be gone a lot for the next 10, 11 years uh, in just the 20 years I'd be in at that point. And I really wanted my boys to know who their dad was. Mm-hmm. So, um, I decided that, uh, it was time to get out and kind of took a leap of faith. And unfortunately, nobody was really hiring pilots at the time, but, mm-hmm. uh, I went to work for McDonnell Douglas at the time, working on F-18 programs, which I had been in the Navy, uh, been flying in the Navy. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, just uh, it was a great job, uh, but I was doing everything up to, but just short of flying. A lot of time in simulators with uh, um, customers, things like that. Working with a lot of new avionics coming out, new systems, new weapons. It was really cool, but um, you know, once you get flying in your blood, it's it's hard to get it, get it rid of it. So um, uh, Cessna had already offered me a job. Uh, about six months prior, uh, I turned it down initially thinking I might get a flight position in McDonnell Douglas. Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went to Cessna and boy, 22 years later, I'm here at the NTSB. So, and it's been a great career at Cessna doing, uh, demonstration flying, working with customers a lot with customer deliveries and acceptance flights, uh, production flight testing, and then actually getting to oversee their whole uh, safety of the flight operations program, everything from ex- uh, experimental engineering flight testing, production flight testing, demo, defense. Um, we even had a kind of a management company going and things like that in a training group. So it, it's uh, it's been quite a career and uh, it, I've been very blessed in the whole time. And then then to make it here see, is just, uh, uh, you know, icing on the cake, so to speak. <laughs> And your journey to the NTSB was kind of a long one. <laughs> I know that you uh, you had a uh, you were on a long a long journey to get uh, to get on to the board. You I think endured a, a government shutdown in the process of your nomination and hearings and all of that stuff. So uh, we're glad that you you were able to um, to be sworn in in January. Um, so you you're obviously you're history with aviation and then with Textron Aviation. In all of that time, did you have um, the opportunity to work with or um, be involved with any NTSB investigations? Um, I did a little bit. Um, uh, the last several years of my time at Textron Aviation, the uh, Air Safety Investigators Department uh, for uh, Textron Aviation was actually uh, under my management. And uh, I, I got to work closely with them then. Uh, I got involved with a lot of the different uh, investigations and things like that, uh, not uh, actually doing the investigation, but uh, reviewing the materials that were shared with the NTSB, things like that, things that came back to the company. Uh, but before that, uh, since I was part of the flight operations, I had always uh, looked at uh, NTSB accident reports, things like that, and mm-hmm. uh, especially with aircraft that uh, we flew, or our aircraft, so to speak, is like we used to say, um, and to see what the issues were and see if there's anything that uh, we should be addressing from the manufacturer side, 
um, along with uh, safety review boards and things like that. So I was very aware of what the NTSB did, and uh, um, if, there for a long time, I never thought I ever thought I'd come to the NTSB and never thought about it. <laughs> well, we're certainly glad to have you on board. Thank you. Um, throughout your career, you have been given um, several awards for your exceptional work. Um, what would you say is one of your most rewarding accomplishments throughout your career? Ooh, wow. Uh, I, I've had a few, and I'll be honest, I, I was never looking for an award when with the work that I did. I was mm-hmm. just looking to uh, do the best I could do um, mm-hmm. with, with what I had available to me. So uh, each one of them has special meaning. It's hard to pick one out. Um, I, I look at uh, the award I got for uh, what we call the top 11 in landing grades in the aircraft carrier, where they mm-hmm. the landing signal, signal officers actually grade every landing at the ship. And it's a big deal because it's a very precise approach, day or night. Sure. And uh, when I first learned my first fleet squadron, um, I had a commanding officer who was really big on, you know, we are going to be the best squadron as far as grades go, because this mm-hmm. is a big deal. This this is your reputation. And I was pretty average starting. I, I, you know, I didn't quite understand everything as a new person would. But my next deployment after that, I was in a new airplane and I used all the tools the Navy had taught me and really um, brought them all together and was able to uh, land top uh, in the top 11 to, wow. uh, for two deployments. Yeah, so. Wow. Wow. That was a big deal. Um, the time I had at McDonnell Douglas, the uh, quality award we got there was uh, we had a really tough job and to basically revamp the F-18 avionics system and mm-hmm. uh, make it more user friendly for the operators uh, because we had the EF version coming along and we had the older CDs, uh, C&D models and mm-hmm. um there was just too much information coming into the cockpit. So we had to clean up the displays and make it real, really easy for the pilot to use. But if there was something else he needed that was there, knew, knew how to go get it quickly. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody had a piece of the puzzle out there, everybody flying out there had the same information hmm. being, you know, secure networks and stuff like that. So we did all that in a year, wow. completely revamped wow. it, software engineers, wrote up all the coding and uh it was it was a phenomenal program i can't believe we got it done in a year so that was very rewarding and then the last one i got before leaving textron aviation uh the business aviation meritorious uh service award um totally unexpected uh the the guys that had worked for me at textron aviation at the time had put me in for it i had no idea uh they Mm -hmm. took it to the ceo he signed it and sent it up there. So it was really neat to be recognized by the people I worked with and my peers, and then also the business aviation community community for recognizing me. So like I said, they all had something very special uh, to me in them. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on all of those. Thank you. So we want to pivot a little bit and talk about um, how the opportunity to become an NTSB board member presented itself to you. Did you seek it out or did someone come to you and say, you know, we think you'd be really great to fill one of the positions? Um, Well, that's it's interesting you said that. My my wife had always thought that I had there was something more for me out there that I Mm -hmm. could be doing more. And I was I'll be honest with you. uh, 
at my time at Textron Aviation, I thought I would just spend the rest of my career there. It was a great place to work, incredible people to work with. And uh, I just assumed that was what, what it was going to be. But about four years ago, exactly, actually four years ago, um, I was at one of the uh, aviation safety symposiums. And I went to many at the time, being mm-hmm. the director of, of safety and security for our, our company at the time. And um, the now chairman, uh, Chairman Sumwalt, mm-hmm. had come to speak. And he was talking about how there was a couple board positions that were open at the time. So there were only three <laughs> board members, mm-hmm. like has been a lot in the last few years. But um, And uh, he spoke about that, and it kind of got me thinking. And then right afterwards, uh, I talked with him briefly with a group of us. And he said he was on his way to the uh, White House to interview to become the uh, hopefully become the chairman mm-hmm. at the time. So sure. when he took over the chairmanship, so I think that was about four years ago. Well, that night we were at a networking dinner and a bunch of us in the uh, business aviation and charter aviation community were talking about, boy, wouldn't it be great if one of us was on the board? <laughs> and we were kind of going around the room and a lot of go, oh, I'd never do that. I would never want that job. And they came to me and they said, what do you think about it? And I said, yeah, I think I could do that job. I think I'd really like the job. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there were some recommendations went around. I queried my congressman and things like that. And that just kind of got the ball rolling. But it it was it was a long process. I'll give it that. But uh, mm-hmm. now here I am. <laughs> and what, what was that like uh, to get the call from the president that you were being um, nominated as a board member? Um, I'll tell you what, it was, uh, it was an, an incredible honor and a privilege, but it was also very humbling, hmm. um, to think, uh, you know, it's not about me. It's uh, everything I've done in my career is about serving the organization, serving safety, mm-hmm. making sure everybody is, uh, you know, we, we do our risk management on, on our operation and we keep everybody as safe as possible. So when I got that call, um, it was very humbling that, that he had selected me. And, mm-hmm. and knowing that there hasn't been a lot of board members since the beginning of the NTSB was um, um, very fulfilling, uh, but very humbling. That's, That's great. great. Before you started at the board, did you have um, any expectations or ideas of what it would be like to be a board member? And how is that measured up to the reality so far for you? Um, you know, I, I had worked with a few of the board members, uh, before coming to the board. Uh, I did a lot of work with, uh, member Earl Weiner. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and, and it's just, it, it, it was very ironic that I basically ended up filling his term mm-hmm. uh, at the end of his time and everything here. So, uh, I didn't expect that. Uh, but, um, I'd worked with him quite a bit on, uh, general aviation safety, specifically, uh, single pilot safety for operators that sa- operate sure. their own aircraft. He, mm-hmm. uh, worked with, uh, with us at the, uh, one of the industry committees I was on was the National Business Aviation Association's, uh, safety committee where I worked specifically on single pilot safety. And he came out and did a lot of presentations. Uh, he came out to Textron Aviation. We showed him some of the new, uh, avionics software things that we were doing to try to help reduce loss of control in flight. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I'd seen, um, the chairman, uh, per, uh, uh, speak at numerous presentations with safety symposiums and conferences. Uh, we had discussions. Uh, he probably doesn't remember it over the 
Asiana results and things like that of the Asiana accident. And uh, uh, I had some disagreements with uh, with the board at the time and, <laughs> and spoke to him one night after the symposium about it. And he was very accommodating and everything. So, um, you know, I, I kind of had an idea what it was going to be like coming to the board. And um, getting here has really exceeded my expectations because I knew it was a great place to work. And I knew the people were great, but I'll tell you what, getting here, the the education and the experience level of the people working here and is just phenomenal. And everybody has just uh, been very accommodating to me, very helpful. And what I really like is uh, we all, we're all working as a team. Mm-hmm. We're all trying nice. to improve safety no matter what mode it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we may have disagreements, but in the end, we're trying to work to make all modes safer. And you can really see that here. So it's been just been an awesome blessing to come here and and be part of the board. That's great. Have you, um, have you been on your training launch yet? (laughs) No, I'm probably the, uh, the newest member that has has spent the longest waiting for the training launch, uh, (laughs) um, which is fine because you know what that means. Right. It means right. there's no major accidents. Right. I mean, we're still having accidents out there, but, you know, with the, the lockdown with here with the coronavirus, it, it I think the numbers have reduced mm-hmm. significantly. And uh, that's a good thing. But uh, we know that's probably not going to last and uh, the lockdown's not going to last. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't gone yet. Uh, I was on standby the first couple of weeks. And then it just made sense that member Chapman and I would would rotate mm-hmm. on standby. And it just happened. He came on standby. And uh, the uh, accident out in California with the helicopter happened. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, if there was, I mean, you hate to say it, but if there was ever one to go on to really learn, uh, that was probably one of them because of the intense media coverage yeah. uh, and everything. But um, I learned a lot by watching the news conferences and getting debriefs on it. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I've been on standby ever since. <laughs> so, um, yes, I hope it happens soon. But in I don't want it to happen soon because that right. means something bad's happened. So right. right. Still waiting. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people don't don't realize that board members, um, a lot of people think that you all are the lead investigators when mm-hmm. you go out to uh, an accident or crash scene. And so um, the training is because you all actually go out and are the spokesperson on scene for um, for an investigation. So giving you that opportunity to go on with another board member to see what that's like before you take your turn is why you all do the training launches. I, I'm not sure if all of our listeners know that like an, a, a new investigator that the board members go through those training exercises as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was incredible training, the media training. Uh, we haven't done, I haven't had a chance to do the family assistance training yet, but yeah, what, uh, you know, as much as the investigator in me wants to come out here at the right, board, sure. understand mm-hmm. that's not really my job. Uh, mm-hmm. That what the investigators find, they bring to the board members uh, mm-hmm. in the bigger cases, and we look at them and uh, make recommendations, and then actually eventually vote on the probable cause and contributing factors and recommendations. But yeah, at a major launch, uh, you know, there's really three things that a board member's doing out there. He's to uh, you know, basically do all the media and press conferences and things like that. And then also uh, uh, work with any of the family members uh, of the victims involved. And then Mm -hmm. the other one is work with all the local authorities that are part of the 
either the search and rescue or part of the investigation. So that that's really the three things there. And uh, I know our media group did a incredible couple of days of training with uh, board member Chapman and myself. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was very humbling, but it was excellent, excellent training. Yeah. And Stephanie and I have been uh, had the opportunity to go through the family family assistance training and just a shout out to our transportation disaster assistance um, team here at the board. They put out a phenomenal training. It's really, really great. And um, I know that you'll have an opportunity to take that as well. So, yeah, I I can't wait. I I have some experience in it because I ran the emergency response plan for uh, Textron Aviation for any kind of uh, aviation accidents we had. So I'm very familiar with that side and have training, at least on the uh, the uh, private company side, not the, the government side. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Yeah. So one of the other things that you get to do as a board member is lead the advocacy efforts for some of the most wanted list items. Um, and the two that you picked when you came on board actually have nothing to do with aviation. So, (laughs) which, um, which is interesting. Was that, um, was that because you were just looking for opportunities to learn more about the other modes or, um, or did it just happen that way? Well, it, um, I didn't have a lot of choice. (laughs) There was, uh, each member tries to take a couple from the list. So everything's covered in the list. Now that doesn't mean we can't go out and advocate for another item on the list that another board member is spending most of their a majority of their time on. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some leftovers since we only had three board members when I came on. So there was about four left and uh, these two just seemed to go in line. And plus, um, I've done a lot of work uh, with integration of avionics systems and aircraft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the one about... Um, Increasing implementation of collision avoidance systems in all new highway vehicles just seemed just made sense because I know what we do we've done in aviation and what the FAA requires when we integrate integrate a new piece of avionics in the highway in cars and trucks and mm-hmm. buses uh, all that regulation's not there not that there has to be a lot of regulation but there's like nothing there right. and there's <laughs> no real standards there so. Um, I'm really taken to this one and I'm really excited about it, especially you, with your guys' help. You, you know, we, uh, I put out that blog here this mm-hmm. week on, mm-hmm. on the, uh, US NCAP program with NHTSA. So, uh, I'm very excited about that. Your first board meeting as a, as a member was for the Mountain View Tesla crash investigation. Was there anything that surprised you about the technology and the, um, the, the lack of training for for drivers when you think of the technology that they're getting in their vehicles and then comparing it to the training that you have to have as an aviator before you get into a new plane or anything like that were were you pretty surprised by by that uh i was i guess as a driver i'm not but you know when i look at all the the different avionic systems in an aircraft and how often they're changing and how we are always having to go back to school all the time to uh, uh, upgrade training and differences training, things like that. And you think about in a car, you know, all the technology has changed so much since we've all started driving. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet we really have no requirement to go back and, you know, really get rechecked out on our license other to go and, you know, pay our money and take the eye exam and get a new license. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know nothing about any of the new technology. Um, that just... It just, it really blows me away. 
And then you look at uh, all the new capabilities out there and in these vehicles and you, you know, you and I probably know that uh, most of us won't even sit down and look at an owner's manual and try to figure out how it really, how to use this stuff. You know, we'll go out and try it a few times, but never really understand it. So, mm-hmm. um, and with that, and then there's no way to figure out the ratings out there with the uh, new car assessment program. After what I saw with the European new car assessment program has compared to what the U.S. has, it was like, why don't we have what the Europeans have? This is crazy. The, that new car assessment program is fantastic for rating, uh, you know, not just, you know, occupant protection and things like that, but all the forward collision warning systems and the uh, automatic emergency braking systems. Uh, it's like, as Americans, I just don't understand why we put up with that. And uh, so I really love to see the uh, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration step up to the plate and uh, give us consumers uh, some some a good system to use when we're looking at new cars and vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with these uh, most wanted list issue areas, as um, as you know, and our listeners might recall us talking about, um, each of our issue areas have a set of safety recommendations that are attached or affiliated with each of them. Um, are there any particular safety recommendations that you would like to see implemented before this 2019-2020 most wanted list cycle uh, wraps up at the end of the year? Sure, sure. Uh, I've spent a lot of time working with the charter community community uh, mm-hmm. in the Part 135 operations, you know, and that's on our most wanted list. And mm-hmm. I know the uh, chairman has worked really hard on that. Um, but I really would love to see that community um step up to some of the recommendations that we have out there. Um, it was really great to be able to co-host the, um, uh, with the chairman, the uh, roundtable on improving mm-hmm. charter operations uh, mm-hmm. that was here in D.C. in early March. Mm-hmm. And um, just just knowing so many of those operators and everything, um, uh, and then being part of the Air Charter Safety Foundation before I, I came to the board, um, there were so many good operators out there, but we knew we were only as good as our weakest player is out there. Mm-hmm. So some of those operators that aren't doing these things um, and then some of the accidents that are happening in Part 135 uh, really makes us all look bad. So um, I, I want to continue my collaboration with that group and hope that uh, we can get some um, get these recommendations through and get all the operators on board with it. And I think it would really not just improve the the safety for for the community, but uh, just really get everybody engaged in that group, and and hopefully the public will understand that you know charter operations are safe, uh, you know when everybody works together. Mm-hmm. Right in the NTSB, we actually have a couple of ongoing investigations that are um, that are affiliated with that and associated with that particular issue. So I know that'll be coming to the board. I think if not later this year, but early next year. So um, some good opportunities to keep the focus on that. Absolutely. And thinking beyond now the most wanted list, do you have any particular goals um, for your first year as a board member that you've been considering or thinking about? Um, I did. I have a whole bunch. (laughs) (laughs) But knowing, you know, you probably only have, maybe I'd have three or five of those and really focus on that. But one of the things I came into the board with that I really wanted to see uh, the NTSB focus on, and 
it's going to take more than a year, but mm-hmm. um, for us to really lower the accident rates in a lot of these different transportation modes, it's it's going to take more than just probable cause and contributing factors, even though that's, you know, our mandate is to do that. But I'd really love to see us uh, focus in on human factors mm-hmm. and in a in a standardization of human factors. So we're all working off the same sheet from investigation to investigation, from mode to mode, mm. because until we really figure out why people do what, what they did, you mm-hmm. know, we're mm-hmm. not going to lower the rates uh, significantly in any of these accident modes. So um, I'd like to focus on that. And then the other thing um, is aviation's come a long way over the years, and it really focuses on risk management and safety. And I think that's you look at the accident rates, unfortunately, not in all the different modes of, of aviation. You know, GA still has a pretty high accident rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, 135 is much better than it used to be. Uh, the airlines are doing fantastic. Um, and I think a lot of that is because all the work that's gone into it over the years and some of the programs available. And uh, I know one of them, particularly uh, the Aviation Safety Action Program, which is a non-putative uh, hazard reporting or incident reporting system that mm-hmm. uh, the airlines have. Uh, many of the 135 operators have, uh, even more 91 operators have now. Uh, I would love to see that system not just be in all of aviation, but be in every transportation mode. Um, mm-hmm. I think rail would benefit, marine, uh, highway, uh, pipeline, you, you name it. There, there's a way to do it for all of them. It's, it's fairly simple. Uh, if you get the regulators all involved, it, I, I think it really reduces their workload and it also helps them understand what's really going on out there as well as the, uh, the management and the leadership of all these different companies out there will get a really better idea of what's really going on out there. And uh, I just read an article a week or two ago that the Taiwanese government is trying to do that now with all their different transportation modes. It's been so successful in their airline industry that they're trying to do it with all their other modes. And I think we ought to be a leader in the U.S. doing the same thing. Sure. Hmm. So like most of the nation, we all are working from home. We are host, <laughs> hosting today the podcast from from different parts of uh, of the country right now. And so um, last week we announced that we are going to be um, hosting an upcoming board meeting virtually. So all of the board members will be f- joining in from your, your home base. Um, how are you feeling about this new work environment that, <laughs> that we all find ourselves in? Uh, uh, you know, you know, we're making the best of it. And I, I think we're doing really a pretty incredible job. It was kind of a slow start as I'm sure it was for everybody, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's amazing how good we've, we've, uh, become with, with some of these, uh, products on our computers and things like that to, uh, you know, share teleconferences and stuff. So, um, I think we're doing an awesome job and I'm, I'm getting fairly comfortable with this. Um, mm-hmm. For the time being, uh, I can't wait for it to get back to normal, though. Uh, you know, w- the big part of the job is one is interacting with everybody here right. at, at headquarters and then at our various locations across the U.S. And then more importantly, importantly, is advocating for our safety recommendations with the uh, with the industry and collaborating. And um, I 
that to me is a big part of what I'm missing is going out there and, and doing the interaction. Uh, it's so important to be on site with, with people and, um, listen to them and then try to work with them, help, help, uh, come up with the solution. So I'm getting by this way, but I can't wait for it to be over. Yeah. I think we all feel <laughs> the same way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're going to be having the virtual board meeting. Um, have you all done a practice like this with teams in terms of doing a board meeting virtually yet? Or are, are, oh. you, are you, is it one of those like, I, d I don't know how that would work. And this is just me again, asking <laughs> random questions because I'm curious. We have been practicing for a couple of weeks now okay. and uh, we're getting a lot of input from our uh, CIO uh, and uh, believe it or not, SRC and the media guys and mm -hmm. managing director and general counsel and everything. So, um, yeah, we've, I, I know the, uh, the presentation coming up for the, uh, the next board meeting, they've been practicing and then the board member, board members have been practicing how we're going to make this work as mm -hmm. far as what the visual is going to look like, uh, on the computer screen, how the audio works, um, uh, so let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope uh, it all works and nobody loses a Wi-Fi connection or anything like that. So. <laughs> I know we were so um, a lot of maybe people know this, maybe they don't, but you all have a time limit for your your rounds of questions during board meetings. And so mm -hmm. um, we've been joking about, you know, how what is that going to look like and, you know, how is somebody going to be able to wave you off and let you know when your your time is up or is it going to be on the honor system where everybody's kind of <laughs> we we're going to try the, we're going to try the honor system mm -hmm. uh and uh most of us have some kind of a stopwatch or something with our probably with the phone or or your watch or something like sure. that i'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to i'm going to try to use the phone and have it to where I can see it. <laughs> so it's just, I got to remember to turn it on when I start. Right. So yeah. <laughs> not unlike the microphone. <laughs> right. I'm sure it'll be like presentations where, you know, you're in the flow and somebody's like, we need to cut them off. But, you know, how's that going to work? Yeah. I, I mm -hmm. think we're going to be extremely flexible when it comes to this first board meeting. So sure. Yeah, I think you have to be. I think everybody's yeah. kind of taking that approach with everything that's going on right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It might be worth watching. Yeah. You know, just to see. Oh, one, <laughs> I sure will absolutely no be mistakes. tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Member Graham, we have certainly enjoyed uh, chatting with you today. I want to uh, allow you some time to have any final thoughts before we wrap up for the podcast for this episode. Well, I want to thank you guys for uh, inviting me today and everything and, and all your help, uh, especially with the uh, the blog that I put out earlier this week. Um, mm -hmm. uh, people got to understand here, this is a truly a team effort um, from everybody from my detail and staff uh, within my office and then everybody here at headquarters and across the NTSB. Um, it, it takes more than one person to put uh, the useful information and recommendations that we put out there. So. Uh, I want to thank everybody here at the NTSB for that. And, and again, for making me feel so welcome. My wife and I, we both feel very welcome here in D.C. and with, at the board. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, my time here since I've got, I got a, it took a long time to get here, but <laughs> I've got till the end of 2025 now. So I'm pretty excited <laughs> about that. So That's thank great. you guys. Great. Sure. Thanks. Stephanie, any final thoughts from you? 
Sure. Remember, Graham, we look forward to working with you more and uh, and the opportunities that we'll have when we all get back to our new normal of getting out and, and engaging with the people that we know we can work with to make the changes that we recommend. Um, thank you again for, for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to the time when everybody's back in, in uh, D.C. together. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Steph. And I just also want to echo the thanks for Member Graham for coming on. I've learned a lot from you, and I really do look forward to working with you um, and the other new board member, Member Chapman, um, on advocacy opportunities moving forward. Thank you again, James, for uh, syncing us all up and making us sound amazing from our uh, socially distant locations. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye. Bye.